Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary. It's my opportunity each week to talk with you on this show about practical issues in church leadership and organizational leadership, particularly in Christian organizations. And so today, I want to talk with you about something that's coming very quickly. I want to talk about Christmas. Now, you may be thinking, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Well, I know that. I want to talk about Christmas because I want to talk about some of the practical aspects of developing ministry efforts during the Christmas season and see if I can give you some uh, practical insight and perhaps some motivation, if you will, about what you can do in the next few weeks as we enter into the Christmas season of ministry and how you can make the most of it. Now, I realize it's not even Thanksgiving yet, but frankly, Christmas is already, so to speak, in the air. You can see uh, advertisements about Christmas already on various media. They've been out there since Halloween. You can see Christmas movies and holiday movies that uh, start sometime in early November, leading us up to the end of the year. Used to be that Black Friday sales didn't happen until after Thanksgiving, but man, that's gone. Now those sale prices get extended into Thanksgiving and into the week before Thanksgiving. And so you already get the idea that Christmas has expanded significantly past just the few days around December 25th. Now, Christmas is a unique and marvelous time of ministry opportunity, and it's easy to get jaded about Christmas because of all the overemphasis on it in our culture, and frankly, that overemphasis for maybe some dubious or difficult reasons. You know, this idea of Christmas just creeping earlier and earlier into the year uh, makes me feel like that... uh, Old man who yelled, get off my yard. You know, I want to tell everybody, hey, keep Christmas till after Thanksgiving and quit crowding into my favorite holiday, which is Thanksgiving, and quit spreading it into my least favorite holiday, which is Halloween, and all that kind of attitude is unhelpful. A better response is to ask, why is it? Why is it that people start talking about Christmas so early in the year? Well, the obvious answer and the obvious negative answer is greed. Just pure, raw greed. Well, that may be it. People just want to sell more stuff, get out more presents, just simply want to have more materialism. Yeah, that could be it. But I actually think there's more to it than that. And I think as ministry leaders, if we'll pay attention to the more to it reasons why Christmas has just kept expanding more and more earlier and earlier into our year. I think if we'll pay attention to some of those reasons, we might unlock some of the significance of ministry during the Christmas season. Let me give you some examples. First of all, I think Christmas keeps expanding because people are looking for hope. They somehow associate Christmas with hope, the coming of Jesus with hope, and even for secularists, the coming of some vacation time with hope, the coming of the possibility of gifts being received connected to hope. I mean, Christmas is a season of hope, 
And I think that the reason Christmas keeps expanding longer and longer in our culture, at least one of the reasons, is because people are looking for hope and they want to get to it more quickly. So they want to start talking about Christmas long before Thanksgiving as a, an example, really, or an indicator, really, of how much they're longing for hope. Here, here's another reason. I think Christmas keeps expanding because people are weary and they want to rest. I think about one particular woman who told me that she starts listening to Christmas music usually in mid-October. And by mid-November, she has her Christmas decorations out, ready to go up the day after Thanksgiving. And she has her Christmas lists made, and she's already started her online shopping to make sure that she's able to get something meaningful for every person on her list. I asked her, why do you start so early? Is it just because you want to be well-organized? And she said, oh, no, that's, that's really not it. She said, I'm a teacher. And I start pushing hard every August. And August, September, October, I'm working long days every day trying to launch a really good school year and do a really great job for my students. And by the mid to late October, I'm already starting to get weary and worn out. But I know if I can just make it to Christmas, if I can just make it to Christmas, that I'm finally going to get some well-deserved and much-needed rest. And so she said, these little snippets and respites of shopping and listening to music and maybe even occasionally watching a Christmas special on uh, television or Netflix, she said, these moments are part of what gives me a sense of rest and hope that I'm eventually going to get to the place where Christmas will come and my weariness can be replaced with rest. Here's another reason. I think people want to celebrate Christmas longer and longer and earlier and earlier because for many people, Christmas is one of the few times of the year when their family tries to come together in a positive way. Now, you may be listening to this show and you may be thinking, well, we've got a strong family and our, our family really you know, does pretty well and we get together multiple times during the year, and if that's you, I'm really grateful. That's, that's more my experience, and I'm grateful for that. But for many people in our world, their families are fragmented, argumentative, divisive. And so when Christmas comes, it's that part of the year when everyone tries to be on their best behavior, and everyone tries to get together, and everyone at least tries to act like they care about one another and want to put away the rancor and the difficulty and come together around something a little more positive. So because Christmas is a time when families try to come together, of course, people who want that want Christmas to be expanded and to be celebrated for an even longer period of time because they want to have even greater opportunity for the possibility that their family might come together. Well, at least one more reason I've observed why People want to celebrate Christmas longer and longer, and that's because people have some spiritual impulse that really is satisfied by Christmas. Now, I know it's sort of snarky and sometimes uh, cute or, or uh, uh, humorous to make fun of people who only have spiritual impulses at Christmas and Easter. 
And I certainly got my own funny stories and perspectives on that. But the reality is, people do have spiritual impulses. They do think about God. They do think about life and eternal life and what really matters in life. Now, they don't think about these things maybe as often as you do as a Christian leader or maybe even as the Christians in your congregation or in your organization. But most people in the culture do have spiritual impulses or spiritual thoughts, and those are intensified around Christmas. And so people want to stretch out that Christmas season because it gives them, if you will, an excuse or uh, a reason to turn their attention to some spiritual realities. So when we think about the fact that Christmas is seemingly celebrated earlier and earlier in the year, every year, when we definitely know that the celebration of Christmas has blown by Thanksgiving and crowding up toward Halloween, when we see that happening, yes, it's easy to have that get-off-my-yard kind of attitude and to say that the only reason people are behaving this way is because of greed and materialism. But I think if we'll look just a little bit below the surface, we'll see that what people are really demonstrating to us is that they are looking for hope, they're weary, and they're looking for rest. Their families are struggling, if not fragmented, and they're looking for a way or an opportunity or an excuse, if you will, to try to come together. And that people do have spiritual impulses. And Christmas is one of those times when people have, if you will, cultural permission to think about God and Jesus and life and even eternal life. So what I want to challenge you to do as a Christian leader as we get closer and closer to the Christmas ministry season is to reject the temptations to be jaded about Christmas, to be dismissive of Christmas celebrations, to be critical of commercial excess, to bemoan the extra work that's required related to the Christmas season, to complain about all the extra parties and gatherings and social experiences and social events, to grouse about the additional time demands that are placed on you as a ministry leader during this busy and difficult and hectic ministry season. I want to challenge you to move beyond all of that and to not be jaded about Christmas. Instead, for the reasons that I've already uh, discussed on the show, I hope you will embrace the opportunity of vigorous, remarkable, intensive, purposeful, and yes, productive ministry during the Christmas season. Now, during Christmas, I hope you'll do whatever you have to do to make sure that your church is as welcoming as possible to people who may have that one time of a year when they'll come to visit or to connect with what you're doing. Using Christmas to initiate relationships like this and build goodwill for future ministry is one very essential way that you can use Christmas as a positive ministry season. So what I'm challenging you to do today is to capitalize on the Christmas ministry season. And to recognize that, yes, while it's draining and demanding and challenging and all those kinds of words, 
it's also pregnant with possibility and opportunity for making a difference in the lives of people. So rather than complain, gripe, grouse, whine, or otherwise be negative about Christmas, embrace the opportunity. Embrace the opportunity to create a welcoming environment, relational connections, and to recognize the underlying reasons why people really do want a longer Christmas season and to capitalize on that for ministry purposes. Now, some of you are going to have the opportunity to preach and teach during the Christmas season. You'll be preaching in a service, perhaps, or leading a Bible study, or maybe even speaking a devotional or something like that. If you're doing that, I want to give you some thoughts about doing that well during the Christmas season. Because quite frankly, one of the challenges about this whole issue is there's not just a lot of new things to say about Christmas. I jokingly said to my wife once on the way into the service during for Christmas Eve, I said, uh, if I doze off, poke me, I kind of know how this story's going to end. <laughs> That's the uh, way you feel when you've preached and taught about the Christmas season, about the Christmas story for Christmas season after Christmas season. You kind of reach the point where you know how the story's going to end. And so it gets a little bit more challenging to be invigorated by what you're going to say. So you're going to be tempted to sort of skip over the whole thing. Resist that temptation. Resist the temptation to skip the Christmas story or preaching about the Christmas story or to avoid it or to otherwise be bored with repeating it year after year after year. The Christmas story is so remarkable that it deserves our attention and recaptures our attention year by year by year. So don't shy away from it. Embrace it. Embrace it and teach it and preach it, even though you know how the story's going to turn out. Now, in doing that, what I tried to do for years, especially when I was a pastor preaching and teaching on Christmas every year, was I tried to come up with one new insight or one fresh idea about the Christmas story, and then to build my preaching and teaching around that central and new and invigorating idea. So rather than try to be super creative about something that no one has ever thought of or ever heard of or that's ever been done with the Christmas story, just rest in the story itself, but then ask God to help you find one new insight or one new idea are one fresh approach that you can emphasize as you preach and teach on the Christmas story. Now, not only is it important what you communicate, the Christmas story itself, and how you communicate, or uh, and, and the way you communicate it with maybe one fresh idea each year, but it's also very important the attitude that you bring to preaching and teaching about Christmas. You know, Christmas is not the time to be negative or prophetic or to critique people for their observances or their impulses about Christmas. Now, I'm not saying that you can't offer a corrective to the greed and materialism in our culture. I'm 
not saying that you can't offer a challenge to the spiritual shallowness of people that uh, causes Christmas to uh, be celebrated in a very uh, in a very superficial way, even when it has spiritual overtones or connotations. I'm not saying you can't mention these issues, but quite frankly, Christmas is really the, not the time to go on the attack about any of these things. Christmas is not the time to attack greed and materialism. And Christmas is not the time to attack superficiality in faith or in religious expression. No, Christmas is the time to capitalize on these impulses I've already mentioned, that people are looking for hope. So preach and teach about hope and with hope. People are looking, are weary and looking for rest. So preach about the weariness that comes in life and how the Christmas story and the incarnation of Jesus and his presence among us is designed to give us rest. And Preach about the importance of families coming together and talk about how that can happen in a very practical and meaningful way through Christmas and the Christmas story. And then finally, recognize that the spiritual impulse of people has motivated them to come and hear you preach and teach. And even though it may seem that it's motivated for a superficial reason, and it may seem that their depth of interest and understanding is pretty shallow, and it may seem that you even wonder if they really care about being there, if they've only come for the cookies after. I mean, yes, I understand that you may look out over a congregation or a classroom and see some very mixed and even dubious motives about people being present, but don't Forget this. They are still present. They came, which illustrates in itself that they have a spiritual interest in what's happening related to your message about the Christmas season and about the Christmas story. And then one other thing I would say about preaching and teaching and communicating about Christmas is don't be afraid to be creative at this time of year. You know, Christmas is a good time to try something new. I'll give you a couple of reasons for that. First, it's a good time to try something new because people are more forgiving during Christmas. If you try something new and it doesn't work out quite as well as you hoped, you're probably not going to get as much intense blowback as you might get on Easter, which is a much more demanding day in the minds of many people. They want it a certain way and they want it rightly done. But on Christmas, well, people are a bit more forgiving and you have the opportunity to maybe do things in new and creative ways and take some risk you might not otherwise take. Another reason you can be more creative around Christmas than some other seasons or times of the year is because Christmas has some alternative services usually attached that have a little less stress level associated with them. Christmas has uh, evening services and Christmas Eve services and Christmas has small services like small groups have together and things like that, which give you a sense that you can do something that's a little more creative because you're perhaps not doing it for the dramatic impact that you have when the entire church is gathered on that Sunday morning like you might have on an Easter Sunday morning. So that's a couple of reasons why you can be a little more creative uh, and innovative around the Christmas season and to do some things that maybe you really haven't tried before. Let me give you two or three examples of what I'm talking about. One year for my Christmas sermon, rather than follow the traditional sermon format, I had a Christmas tree created on the stage. And under that tree, I had a number of different boxes that had Christmas presents wrapped up in them. But inside each box, there was really only a card. And on that card, 
there was a gift that God had given us for Christmas. And so I sat down on the stage in a stool and said, today I'd like to open with you the gifts of Christmas to see what God has done in giving us this great day. And in order to help me do that, I'm going to invite some children from the congregation to come up and to help me to discover these gifts. Now, I'd prearranged with six or seven children in the church to be prepared to have their name called. And when I called their names, I, the child would come up on the stage with me and I said, pick out a box there under the tree and let's open it together and see what God has given us. And we would open that box together. And uh, when we tore away the wrapping paper and looked inside the box, there was a card I'd taped in the bottom of the box that said something like, God has given us hope. And on that card, I would have a scripture and then a couple of notes to help me remember what I wanted to say about that part of the Christmas story or the Christmas message. And so the child would come up, select a box. We'd open it together. I would thank them, have them go back and be seated. And I would say, in this box, it says that God has given us hope. Let me read that to you from the scripture. And I'd read the scripture, and then I would talk for a few minutes about hope. And when you do about three to four minutes per box and you have six or seven boxes, pretty soon you've preached a 30-minute sermon on the gifts of Christmas. And not only have you preached a sermon on the gifts of Christmas, but you've creatively done it by having the Christmas tree on the stage and the boxes wrapped up and placed under it. And you've involved children in the service, which is always a positive uh, aspect of Christmas. And those kids get to come up on the stage. And because I had tipped them uh, beforehand, at least the girls, I remember when I did this, they came dressed in their finest Christmas dresses and looked so nice and beautiful as they came up on the stage. And, and these are children, six, seven, nine, 12 years old, that really added something to the service by being able to be a part of sharing that with me as their pastor. And then another thing about it was when the first child came up, Every other child in the room's eyes got a little bigger, and they wondered, will he call on me? Am I one of the ones who'll get to go up there? And so everyone had a different level of attentiveness that day. I think of another way I did an innovative Christmas service. I uh, arranged with some women from our church to provide me their manger scenes. And I said, don't give me your one that's made of crystal that no one gets to touch. Give me the wooden ones that you let your grandchildren play with. And so I assembled several of these and uh, brought them on a Sunday morning and put them on the stage and said, now on this stage, you see the beginning of the Christmas story. We have a manger scene here or a, uh, a, a barn scene here. And I said, now let's build the story together. And I started reading from the Bible and then talking about each character and each part of the story. Now, of course, I only had one Mary and one Joseph and one Jesus. But before the service, again, I'd circulated in the audience and given a boy and a girl and a, another little girl, the Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and said, when I call for you, I want you to bring these on the stage. And so when I called for them, they each one brought the, their character up and we put it on the stage. Now, I had a lot of angels and a lot of animals and quite a few shepherds. And so I was able to involve 20 or 30, maybe even 40 children in bringing those figurines to the stage at the right time. Because when I said Mary and Joseph and Jesus, of course, I only had the three. But then I said, now, another group that were there that day were the angel choir. If you have an angel, bring that angel. And all the children brought their angels. If you were a shepherd and you saw this, bring your shepherds. And if you were one of the animals that witnessed this, bring your animals. And so that was another way to involve a lot of people in creatively preaching through the Christmas story. Well, that's just two examples. You can probably be way more creative than I was. But my point is, Christmas is a good time to bring that kind of creativity to the service. Well, what I've challenged you to do today is think about 
using the Christmas season as an intentional time of ministry effectiveness. Don't be jaded about Christmas. I know it's coming. I know we're not even to Thanksgiving yet. I know you wonder why there has to be so much of an emphasis so early in the year. Don't don't be that guy. Don't be that leader. Don't be that person. Instead, see all of this emphasis on Christmas as people communicating to you that there's an openness there for you to have real ministry effectiveness. This is a time to step forward, sacrifice, share, expend yourself, making this a busy and intense and productive time of ministry. I know you can do it as you lead on.